I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, my name's Daniel and I'm from Croydon and I'm listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. And my question is, Dane, what do you think of the fact that the government are sending refugees to Rwanda, but at the same time, they're paying people to take in Ukrainian refugees. And at the same time, people are still getting deported via Windrush scandal. Yeah, answer me that, brother. Cheers, mate. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor, Dame Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. Dehiza. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked, and we are talking everything from... Well, we're talking everything from Daniel, from Croydon's question, what do you think of the government sending people to Rwanda but paying people to taking Ukrainian refugees on top of people still getting deported by the Windrush scandal. Um, got 60 seconds, Dane. How are you going to handle this? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good test for brevity. But uh, first of all, Daniel, thank you very much for the question. It's a very big fan as well, by the way, I believe. And uh, yeah, I very much appreciate the support. <laughs> um, so, uh, just to, for the sake of brevity, I'd say I find it deplorable. Um, I think using human beings as pawns in political games is the height of uh, amorality and uh, uh, that the people that are affected by this and the people of this country can come together and resist such policies. Well said and thank you for your question Daniel and suffice to say on this podcast we ask and answer all the questions don't we Dave? Absolutely every question is welcome and every person is welcome on this podcast we do not believe in borders and if you do like the show please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode. Or you can subscribe to us on Acast, the world's biggest podcast network, where you can hear all of the very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is a British comedian, TV and radio presenter. He is one third of the trio on BBC Radio 1's weekday mid-morning show. Since starting out in the industry, he is best known as the team captain on BBC 3's panel show, Sweat the Small Stuff, and also co-presented the 2015 series of The Extra Factor on ITV2 alongside Rochelle Humes. He has since gone on to host Lego Masters and now hosts his own podcast. But most importantly, he is a good man with a good soul and a wonderful smile and just a generally nice guy. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Melvin Adoon. Yeah, that was one hell of a big update. Thank hey, you for that. Listen, deserved. 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 As uh, me and Howard always like to say, we don't see this just as a podcast, but this is like a florist that we like to give our very esteemed guests the flowers that they deserve. <laughs> so, Mr. Melvin Adoom, it is our pleasure to welcome you to the podcast and celebrate your achievements thus far. How are you doing? I'm all blessed, guys. No, thanks for having me here. It's, I mean, the sun is blazing right now. Don't know where you are right now if you're listening, because this could be played whatever time throughout the year. But right now, I'm sitting in my living room and sweating my... Can we swear on this podcast? You can stay where you like, mate. Yeah, yeah. My looks off, then. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. No, it is... That, that is a... You know, it is a tricky area to keep fresh, isn't it? 
It really, it really is. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but I used to put talcum powder right. on my my bits, and I've yeah, heard it's yeah. not a good thing to do now. Yeah, I used to do the same thing as well because I was bought to kind of reduce perspiration. But apparently, powder blocks the pores. Right. And, I, I, and if you try to keep that area dry, then obviously your sweat will find some other outlet. So I used to find I would try and keep my undercarriage or nether area drier with talcum powder. But then I'd like sweat out my top of my back. Oh, so okay. it's got to have an outlet somewhere. But vivid bro- imagery for our listeners here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vivid. What a way to start the podcast. Yeah, I think real. it's relatable. Relatable content, Howard. That's what it's about yeah. nowadays. Yeah. And- <laughs> no, but I was actually quite interested there because, uh, you know, look, I'm, I'm Jewish, you know, we made it through deserts, right? So, but equally, you know, you different populations of, of black people have, have dealt with heat in various ways. You guys have some very good methodology of looking after skin. I've, I've often seen some, we've talked before, Dane, right, about elbows and knees. Guys, you know, are big on that. Yeah, big on appendages. Moisturization is very important. Yeah, yeah, you have to be moist. Even in this weather, because what you find is if you've got a, a drier heat, then your skin will dry out a lot quicker due to transpiration. So you want a good layer of moisturizer. This time of year, you probably don't have to put it on particularly thick. Something low in hydrocarbons. I would suggest maybe a shea butter or an oil, uh, or maybe a coconut oil. Um, yeah, Melvin, yeah. <laughs> Dave, I would I would love to see your cupboard right now. How much cosmetics oh, you have? In moisturizers your house. for all occasions. Yeah, I just think you know, if nothing else, at the very minimum standard for like class and present and sophistication, good moisturizer and a good antiperspirant is what I'm always I can survive in this world. I've moved on to the Avellino, I think it's called. Oh, yes. I, I used yeah, to be a big cocoa butter fan. Oh, of course. But yeah, I feel yeah, yeah. like cocoa butter gets too sweet when it's when it's in this kind of weather. It's very, yeah. very hot. So if you're... And I, like, I like to mix my, my colognes and, and my aftershaves. Yeah. So I feel like if you get something a bit more neutral, mm. you don't smell too sweet. Yeah, no, how, I get, how are you I get feeling that. about the cocoa butter? I feel like how is a cocoa butter man as well. No, I am a loose underwear man. Uh, and on that bombshell, uh, it's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane? Uh, just just give just give me some space. Uh, that's all I need. Um, good to go. Uh, yeah, it's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane? As the format of this show dictates. Absolutely, uh, Melvin. As our very esteemed guest, we'd like to invite you to ask the first question, which Howard and I would like to discuss with you for about 15 minutes. Then my producer friend Howard here would like to pose a question to you, which we'd also like to discuss for around 15 minutes. And then in a weird twist of fate, I'd like to pose a question to you, discuss for around the same amount of time. And then if it would please you to tell our listeners about your good works, past, present and future, then we all go on to live our individual lives in the, irrespective of what moisturizer or undercarriage kind of garments we choose. Yeah, we might get together and talk about it again, but um, yeah. I, think I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, Howard, and a lot, yeah, of, a lot of space too, according to you. Uh, but until that time, uh, Melvin, the floor is yours to ask the first question. I've just started my own podcast this year called Melvin Meets His Match, where I get like my celeb mates to come on and give me some dating advice because generally I'm quite rubbish at dating. So a question that kind of keeps coming up at the moment is, should a man pay for the first date? Because like for me personally, if I take someone out, I generally, whether they've asked me out or instigated it or I ask, ask out the person, I always pay for the date because I just want that person to have the best time ever. However, I just don't know if that's a fair thing to do. We're living in a time now where, you know, we're really pushing equality and equal rights. So if you're taking someone out on a date or they're taking you out on a date, surely you should be able to split it. What are your views? A good question. 
an interesting question and I think a, a topic that comes up uh, very frequently nowadays within uh, the digital landscape when people are discussing dating and the like. Um, you know what, Melvin, you probably have come to the right place because if there's one person who knows about the dating landscape, it is the hisser right here. Hey, Howard, how you met your wife? Well, uh, I have completed uh, the game of dating, the game of love. Uh, I have uh, fought the last boss off and uh, Bowser. My wife's not like Bowser. Anyway, I must stress. <laughs> definitely actually. a Princess Peach there, Tara. Yeah, she, uh, yeah sorry. I fought off Bowser to get to Princess Peach. And um, I often think about, yeah, my behavior on that that first time of meeting her and how interestingly I was pissed off by a really bad date. Uh, 78 dates. I went on 78 internet dates to find my wife. And, 78? Uh, yeah, I mean, people say that like it's a lot, but like... <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot. How many days did you go to school to like get, you know... <laughs> like, like, Do you know what? It's not, the, it's not the amount that surprises me. It's the fact that you counted how many. Well, I work in comedy, so you've got to write this shit down, haven't you? So, yeah, there's, there is, there's a book set in the works um, detailing Howard's uh, dating yeah. experience. I actually, did I ever tell you, Dane, that I wrote a little thing about each person and then actually once I'd committed to my wife, showed her what I'd written about all these other women and she went, this is terrible. Don't show this to anyone. Uh, <laughs> nobody should ever... And I wasn't really abusive or anything. I was just kind of charting what went wrong with each date. You know, there was a lot of things that went wrong. Um, some of them were my fault as well. You Russ Gellard it, basically. I think the worst one I ever did was uh, I was in a bad place after a little relationship, but I went for this date with this woman. And, you know, look, she's, you know, I, like, I think I've got a petite wife. This is a little bit more than petite. Right, uh, okay. And I was like, oh, this is a bit, I'm not sure this is going to, I don't know. Anyway, I wasn't like feeling it. And then I kind of went. Uh, to roll up a cigarette and I didn't realise at the time that the, the weed I'd been smoking had largely spilt into my tobacco and ended up blazing a joint in the middle of this beer garden on this first date and obviously then was kind of stoned and, and that was really a bad one went really badly <laughs> bad one or bad weed uh, bad one uh, and um, I actually still kissed her at the end so ooh, it wasn't that bad it doesn't sound like a terrible it sounded like a date that went slightly wrong but it doesn't sound terrible yeah, yeah. I mean you had 78 dates Howard yeah, yeah. did you pay for each one of those dates that's the question no uh, but often I think I would it's tricky isn't it because what are we talking about food or drink and if it's drink I think it's a very nice thing to say I'm getting the first drink because the reality is we may not make it to a second one and if we do make it to the second one if she then goes oh I'll get these then you're like ah that's nice yeah good fine you get these that's that that, that feels like we're having a shared good time if you see what I mean by that point okay so for the ones that you didn't pay did you feel like you were judged for not paying mm-hmm Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. thing. So in my, in my experience, it's just best to always pay. But why uh. is that the situation? And then this goes on to the next question. I spoke to someone the other day and they said to me, a guy should always select the location as well. So I feel like there's a lot of pressure mm. as, as a man. If you're caught in to make all of the decisions, to pay for the bill, to select the location, to even instigate the date in the first place. But why is that? That's the question. I, w- I want to say as well to listeners as well, that obviously Melvin is a heterosexual man. So we're dis- discussing that particular paradigm. Although, however, 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 yep. Yeah. Go ahead, Melvin. I want to jump in. So I spoke to um, an amazing influencer mm-hmm. called Florence Given, mm-hmm. who is bi. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I asked her, and the question came up again. And she said, if she um, is um, interacting with a female, it's pretty much balanced who decides who who pays and the location and stuff like that. However, if a guy asks her out, she still expects him to pay. And she's bi. So and obviously I can't speak for the LGBTQ plus community, but I can only speak from my perspective. But generally speaking, a guy will always have to pay. Yeah. So, and, and after that, I mean, I, I feel like, do you think there's there's some traditional uh, element to as to why that, that still happens? So, because I imagine that it's a demonstration of maybe sh- uh, chivalry or being like, I guess, a gentleman within dating. The idea is that you are initiating courtship because I guess historically men would initiate a coupling either by like asking a woman out on a date and then, you know, asking to be in a long-term relationship, whereas hmm. it should be uh, at the consent or at the discernment of women if that ends with sexual congress i suppose is the is the traditional model that most of us hear about that's the one that's shown to us in romance a lot of the time as well yeah so i guess you make a lot of decisions so and and it was probably a point in time where obviously i guess men would have been making more than women and had more Mm -hmm. access to money and so maybe that would have been completely agree with you dane but a lot of traditional values have dissolved and changed and evolved throughout the years so why has this particular one still remains? I think it's a good question. It's quite interesting. I'll tell you why it is. It's because men are too polite to say and women are still happy to get the free food and drink. Yeah, any, <laughs> yeah, any, any human being, irrespective of your equipment, if you're getting a free meal, why would you rock that particular boat? Yeah, that's a now, good point. I was exactly right. I just, I didn't want to be the one to say it. <laughs> yeah, but... I'm married now, so oh, I'm married now, so it's fine. And, you know, yeah, I'm... people don't even see him as a man anymore, Melvin. It's fine, whatever. Al can say what he wants. He don't know shit. You know what? I want to make it clear to all women, if this role was reversed, I'm all about the free food and drink, so yeah, it's yeah, absolutely yeah. fine. It's actually Absolutely my favorite fine. type of cuisine. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like for me. It's like Thai food and Pan Asian or like Nikkei and then free. Yeah. Is that right there? The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. Isn't it annoying when you go out for dinner and someone tells you after you've ordered that they're paying and you're like, oh, I wish I'd known because I really I didn't <laughs> yeah. want to. Yeah. That forty pound. Very rarely does that happen to me that someone goes, I'm paying. By the way. But, the only uh, person that does that to me, and you're right, Howard, he always does it right at the end after you've ordered is my agent. Like, he'll be like, let's meet for lunch. Right. And then once I've ordered, he'll be like, oh, don't worry, I've got this. He's mm. a smart man. He knows when to kind of opt in yeah. for the pain of the bill. Which, I mean, I mean yeah. and that might be one way to remedy it is that if you are also tasked with the decision of this, of working out where you're eating, then, I mean, you can you can always pick a more cost-effective place to go. But um, That's true. Yeah. 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 But for me, suppose they are pros. But you know, it is with me, Melvin, yeah. One of the reasons why I'm always willing to pay on a first date, especially. Uh, and a lot of the time I tend to pay on a date. The main reason for me is because I like eating and I don't want anybody else's platitudes or fears <laughs> or angst to interfere with that process. So when I take somebody out, I'm not just taking them out to eat. I'm eating as well. So right. I always wanted to be an experience for me so that even if the date went badly, I could yes. be like, you know what? I had a nice meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that and makes, I, and I had company. That makes sense. I had company. And um, there is a element of maybe control that I exert. And it's not the control to say like, this person has to come with me and eat what I say. It's more the mm. fact that if the date was going badly, I could always say, I'm just going to get the check. And then I can just, right. and I can leave when I want to leave if it's going badly and not having this awkwardness of not being able to leave because we're like, well, do you want to pay or do you want to? So I will, I always yeah. cover that as well. And 
for me, I guess the main reason is is that like I guess it's a question of um, in a lot of the cases when I when I've dated somebody prior to being in the relationship, I probably was making more money than that person at the time, and mm. if that was the case, then I'm like, I don't really want someone to think about the stress of money when they're on yeah. a date because I really feel like yeah. that can affect someone's mood and can affect yeah. how they behave on a date. And I always try to create the most relaxed environment as possible for somebody when they're dating. And I guess it's because obviously I imagine that there are a number of pressures for women when they're dating. The main one being that I get to go home at night and I don't end up in the trunk of somebody's car or in someone's basement. So I want over to be relaxed. And there's a number of theories that are involved in terms of determining like paying for a meal because some people say, I guess it's the effort that is made when a woman's right. going on a date because because dating, this a process as a woman, I guess going on a date, even a bad one is expensive because you may have to select a new outfit. There's a number of different grooming practices you may have to do before you go on a date as well. Like, it's, uh, Howard, I'm serious. <laughs> the way like, your brain works, honestly, compared to mine, we are yeah, different I, people. I, 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 I just, I know, but definitely, but I was thinking, for example, you know, like, without being too graphic, as a woman, you might be going on a date and you've agreed to go on a date. Now, let's say you start your period early. Now you right. have to factor that in into what you're wearing as well. And then depending on how well you want the date to go, these are all the things that a woman has to think about when she's going on a date. Like she may have had like a wax recently and then you go and agree to go on a date and it's a few more days before she's about to go and have another wax or another laser, but she never knows how the date is going to go. And I just imagine these are a number of things that women consider when they're going on a date and doing their hair and stuff and all of these uh, beautification rituals. And I just think, Rather than have someone come on a date and have to consider all of these things that can make them quite anxious, I want to remove at least one thing and be like, at least you know that the food is kind of paid for. So there is some, there's some level of consideration to it. But on the other hand, I'd also say it also, I believe, gives me the freedom so that if I was having a terrible time or if someone said something on a date that I found to be like morally objectionable. So an example for me would be like that person's treatment of the waiting staff. I don't like people who are rude or don't like say please and thank you if they ask for something. So if that was the kind of my experience, I'd rather be able to pay for that food and just be like, it was very nice to meet you. I'll see you around. So that's one of the reasons it, I paid for it. It's a fascinating insight into the psyche of Dane Baptiste <laughs> for the last couple of minutes. I mean, he is one of the great world's great think- thinkers. There's no debate in that. And uh, just, trying to have, just trying to have empathy, Howard. I feel like that's oh, like... Oh, that's what I'm, I'm compl- in complete awe and respect for it right melvin it's like i levels levels i've never gone to <laughs> i am actually taking note and i do agree with some points however going back to the financial aspect because mm. you were saying you know you like to create an environment so that someone doesn't have to worry about money yeah. say if someone earns more than you dane yeah. do you still pay for that building it's a good question and there's probably been points in time where someone has made more money than i have um i'd say on the first day i'd probably pay and I feel always. like that is because it's rather than me just paying for a commodity, I'm more, I mean, I always look at it as more paying for an experience rather than a commodity because I think you're going to make money, lose money, and you'll eat again. And then also I feel like it's really an investment in that person it could, because normally when you continue to follow that, if we're following the traditional model, what you tend to find is that person will normally reciprocate by maybe paying for a round of drinks afterwards. Or I think sometimes it's a leap of faith or the demonstration of good faith that if someone knows, irrespective of how much you're making, you're willing to provide for them anyway, it can be mm. kind of a good sign. But again, but I think in, even in that instance where someone making more money than me, it's uh, it, it might just be it, it could just be a traditional thing. But it's not something that I'd always be insistent upon because if maybe if someone was insistent and that's part of the thing where they're like, I'm paying for it and I'm not hearing it, it's not a hill I'm going to die on anyway. 
And what I might right, do then well, is say, okay, you yeah, get well those. Said. And then I'll just be like, I don't know, bouquet of flowers at their office the next day or something like that, yeah. or maybe buy them a drink. And yeah, I, cause I think sometimes it's rather than you necessarily expending something on like a very nice meal or paying a lot for hawk cuisine, there's other effective uses that you can spend money on that can also show that you've endeared yourself to somebody. So like you could be like, all right, so they pay for the meal. So then maybe you could pay for like, I don't know, take photos at a photo booth or maybe a trip on the London Eye or there's, so yeah, because I think it's like, because even when it comes to money, it's like being able to spend a lot isn't always indicative that like you are prepared to take care of that person. So I think it's sometimes, so for example, if you find a really good restaurant that not a lot of people know about, and it's not necessarily that expensive. That is more the demonstration of your value rather than the fact that I can pay for a good meal. It's the fact that you've picked a good place and it's a place that is based on maybe you said someone and they've, you've had a conversation maybe about their ethnic origin. So you've taken them to a cuisine, which is like nostalgic for them or reminds them of where they're from, or you've taken them somewhere. It's like, I heard you like so-and-so when you was a kid. So this is a place that makes the same kind of food. So right. I guess I'll pay for it, but it's more about the use of resources to, uh, show that person's value. So I think sometimes people do yeah. that by saying, I'll pay for the meal to show your value of your company. But instead of that, it's, uh, you don't necessarily say, I, I don't think you always just have to pay for the meal, but you should always take the initiative to use whatever resource to show that person's value. How's that helped you out, Melvin? Any good? Done a good job of answering this question? I think advice, the advice from both of you has been sufficient and I definitely see points on both sides. Um, Howard, although you've clocked um, relationships, you actually didn't say mm. what you did to court your missus, whether you actually paid for that first date. Weirdly, it was a, a very uh, a very simple date uh, of just, you know what? It was it was just a bit a, a cup, a drink, and a bit of hummus at a, a bar, and it was nothing. It was. A, a, an interesting thing here, I'd, I'd had a terrible couple of dates before that and uh, met my wife uh, outside Liberties. She had her hair tied up uh, right. and we walked to the, the place, which is there isn't there anymore in Soho, sat down and I was like, this is okay. And then I thought she seemed nice and everything. She's, she's posh, Melvin. I'm from East London, so <laughs> I'm instantly on the back foot. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> it's difficult, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and then she put her hair down and I was like, oh, wow, this, this woman's beautiful. And right. uh, just realized it more with the hair down. And then she told, we, she told me she liked Bob Dylan, told me she didn't like fish. And I was in. And that was it. was it. And within, you know, it's interesting, you know, I think I've said this before on this show. Sorry to people I've repeated this to. But over that course of that first year, I would suggest that the, the deal was never done. Like we had moments of great, you know, uh, peak in, in 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 our courting process but i still think it was on on the cusp and um at some point my i, I won her over to a level that i had already been won over to so that's kind of an interesting thing because now i would suggest my wife uh you know would struggle to find her trainers uh without me uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh and the bin every bin would be overflowing for weeks in the house <laughs> uh, but um like I needed her and right. wanted her and could see that this was someone I think I could be with. And I don't think she saw it at the same level as me until quite later on. And then I've weirdly, weirdly, this is the, this is what you need to aim for, right? I was literally on the beach with her just right. in, in, in England and we just finished this cycle and she got off and, and, and she hadn't said, I love you once in that first year or so. 
and we're on the beach and I just took a picture of us just kind of you know on the beach she kissed me and she said I loved you and that was it that was it it was done from that moment on that sounds nice man yeah how you smashed are a romantic? Yeah, 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 yeah. You definitely did smash it. So, yeah, yeah. so maybe like another what, fifty-eight more dates. That's what it's going to take. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How's that? Bit? And everything just fell into place perfectly one day at the beach. <laughs> of the seventy-eight previous disasters. Yeah, yeah. Let's see how um, call for that, call for that shit to get the redemption. So yeah. So <laughs> listeners, if you need any dating advice, <laughs> Dane and Howard's Love Shack is here. Um, but um, I'm going to move on to a different question. Um, which I've, I've been looking forward to talking about, actually. I've been thinking about it for a while. But Melvin, thank you for your question. You did a, uh, it was a good one, mate, and hope it helps. Thank you, guys. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, my question, and weirdly, I've just had uh, a text message that helps me illustrate this que- this question, right? And uh, I'm just going to let our producer know uh, that she needs to bleep the names of the people in this text. Uh, and I'm just going to read the text to you. It says, Howard, it's here. I have a small favour to ask you. My daughter is having a do to celebrate her birthday. I want to say a few words. I need a couple of jokes. Not crude or rude, but clever. Could you provide me with some? Uh, hope to see you soon. Thanks in anticipation. My question oh. before <laughs> I got that text, weirdly, is do you guys ever find it hard to be taken seriously? Because I feel in my, in my life, <laughs> I am in a constant battle to be taken seriously. One of the reasons being... I think my voice sounds sarcastic a lot of the time. Uh, I think people <laughs> might think uh, I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. I'm also a, like a creative bloke. So like creative people like ramble nonsense, right? A lot of people I work with over the years, I've realized, thought I was on a lot of cocaine. I've never done any cocaine uh, ever, <laughs> never even done a line. Um, and it just makes me think over the years, I've just got to a point now where I suppose I, I, I do consider my life like not a disaster zone and generally quite happy with it. But I still question whether people take me seriously or not. <laughs> do you have trouble being taken seriously, Melvin? Howard, that is so, it's so funny you mentioned this because a few years ago, um, my cousin had a baby, my amazing cousin, Leon. Big up, Leon. And uh, he was like, big up, Leon. That's our Leon. And he was like, Melvin, I want you to come to the, the church and do a reading. And generally, because I'm like the broadcaster in the family, I'm, I've always got to do the speeches. I've always got to be the MC. Dane, um, Howard, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. you guys are the same <laughs> yeah. in your families as well. Yeah. So he was like, you need to do a reading at the church in front of the whole family um, and then say a few words as well if you can. 
with me, if people aren't laughing at something, I feel really mm. awkward just saying stuff because yeah. I think it becomes boring. So I was just, I kind of did it in the style of, do you know, like coming to America, like the, the preacher, the MC, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the preacher. What about that? Coming to America, so I was really yeah. Like, yeah. exactly like that, like sexual yeah. chocolate, yeah. that yeah. kind Love of vibe. It. And all my cousins were laughing, and um, like my sister was there, and e- literally everyone was laughing, bar the priest. And we did the whole service. And the priest told my my cousin Leon off. Oh was no. like, Who did you get to do the speech? It was really disrespectful. And um, and then my cousin kind of he had a go at me without having a go at me. And so I was like, you know, I felt really bad because I felt like I ruined the christening on that day. So I've I've always in this really weird position where I have to be like the 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 MC and the the person doing the speeches. But if I inject humor, I can't I kind of get told off for it sometimes. And there was another time at my school where um, we did this massive initiative to get like everyone these half price bus passes and the mayor came to award us. And again, like everyone was watching the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that time. And the mayor came down onto stage to award me. And I did that Will Smith and Jazz. Lovely, great. (laughs) And every, again, all the kids were laughing. Everyone was like clapping. They thought it was hilarious. I thought I made everyone smile. And you know, when you work in comedy, your your healing is making people laugh. Yeah, you guys know absolutely. That, right? And then again, the teacher who I love, the teacher that inspired me, the, the guy that made me do sociology, pulled me to the side, was like, Melvin, that was really disrespectful what you did there. D- never do anything like that again. And so I'm, I've always had these little internal battles when I'm asked to do stuff like that, whether I should try and inject mm. humor, whether I should be serious. I'm always questioning it. And I think sometimes it could be quite damaging. Cool. Because when I did um, Sweat the Small Stuff, and I remember like, Dane, you did that so many yeah. times. And the thing that I love about you, because I, I would say you guys are real deal comedians. I'm not actually a comedian, but yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but you work in comedy, Howard. And Thanks, I think man. you're I think you're a funny guy. And I think when you're when you work in comedy and I think you're a comedian or you do stand up, you never hold back. If something funny pops into your head, you just say it. And I always feel like I hold back sometimes because I'm not too sure whether I'm I'm always questioning. But Dane, as a, as the professional comedian in the trio here, the, the desire to be taken seriously, even though the job is to be funny, that's a very weird line to tread. I imagine it, it is, but um, I but think you do it very well, mate, the... because you'll go on LBC yeah. and smash the shit out of some dickhead. For, for talking <laughs> yeah. bollocks about whatever, and and so you get you get to do that without having to make gags, but it's it's a tricky one. Yeah, right? well, I I have, the, I have the outlet, yeah, but it's the the thing with comedy is that it's a uh, well, it's it's all subjective, first of all, because uh, like even in the anecdotes that uh, Melvin's mentioned, is it sounds like you know it was enjoyable for a lot of people, so it doesn't necessarily mean that it was ill placed, and that can always be the same even when you're doing uh, performing comedy in a club, is that like, and especially of more recent times. You will find sometimes that if you touch on a particular topic that that might be taboo to somebody or resonate negatively with somebody, you might get a negative reaction and they might be like, it's not funny. And on on the one hand, it's like you have to sometimes learn how to continue to do your work and be performing comedy, but also maybe take that person's objection seriously Mm. in the same way that, but then at the same time, your Mm. comedy is also largely referred to as tragedy plus timing. We are taking very serious uh, topics or serious experiences. 
and trying to make them funny so that people find them a lot more palatable. That being said, I'd say, yeah, it's comedy probably became a outlet for me because I struggled to be taken seriously, uh, maybe at home, um, because I was the youngest at home, um, child of immigrants. And I, I come from a culture where it's seen as children have seen and not heard. And doesn't, and that's not like, you know, alluding to any kind of abuse, but it's just like, you know, in normal conversation, if you don't have the wisdom experience, which normally comes from being a child, it means that it's very little you can volunteer to a conversation. I always obviously listened a lot of the time when older people were speaking and uh, when they would say something I thought was relevant or something that piqued my interest, I'd want to get involved and learn more about the conversation. But yeah, struggled to be taken seriously. I find it so a I kind of weird thing, right? Because that text message, look, uh, uh, that's, that's someone misunderstanding something, right? They're like, yeah. hey, can you write jokes about someone you've never fucking met? Like, well, no. And also, <laughs> what, what's your job? Can you go and do me some fucking free lawyer shit yeah. or whatever? Like, <laughs> like that's not, you know, yeah. so that's, that's, that, that's just a misunderstanding, right? But what I suppose what for me happens a lot of the time is, is you talk to people, you know, I'll meet people, particularly, you know, in very different industries, finance or whatever. And that you'll ask you about your life. And Melvin, many of the listeners will know that one of my uh, finest achievements in my career has been to invent a game show for pets that ran on Sky for three series and, and, and it won a BAFTA, right? And those sentences, wow. pet game show and BAFTA kind of tend to kind of confuse the fuck out. I mean, like, but, but it's very <laughs> interesting that people don't take it seriously. Uh, and and, and we, for good reason, because let's be honest, right. whatever I could get those dogs or cats to do, it isn't, you know, we're not talking about fucking, you know, uh, the godfather here. We're talking about something that does not require as much of a creative uh, cerebral identity. <laughs> um, but I still took it really seriously. And, and, and the question that I would think in my head when I get into those scenarios is, well, we clearly take different things seriously. But that's what comes up, right, Dane? Like you find yourself in scenarios yeah, where... It's all subjective. Yeah, yeah. I, we and just have different priorities. Like, and and you know, there were times in my life during this long process of getting this game show away, where people were kind of telling me to stop, uh, including my boss, <laughs> and I was just like, no, like this cat playing this game is going to be TV gold, and I'm not going to stop. Yeah. Imagine hearing someone say that, and then Howard replies to me. <laughs> in a boardroom. And there he goes. Well, that's what's so weird, because, you know, you take it seriously. And in the end, the show, you know, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't have made millions, but it wouldn't have made short millions. <laughs> it wouldn't have been that far off, if I'm honest yeah. with you. And you're going to think to yourself, well, uh, who's to tell you what to take seriously? Who's to tell you what is being serious? I, yeah. it's, all, it's all subjective, yeah. And, that, and, that, and that's the point exactly how I'd like that. So, I've probably struggled at times to be taken seriously. Um, but I guess it's always come down to me wondering how seriously do I need to take that? Because I, I, I remember I saw an episode of South Park, mm. which kind of gave me a lot of clarification where they were talking about like comedy awards. Right. And the, basically the subtext of the whole episode, just to give you an idea, was basically saying that comedians shouldn't take themselves too seriously anyway. Right. So there are times sometimes I, I feel like where maybe I, I might feel like my achievements have been um, downplayed or I might feel I've been underestimated or even like, you know, reviews from critics have kind of like either tried to reduce the work I've done or misinterpreted a joke I've told. And so initially you might worry because you think, oh, people aren't respecting me and they don't think I'm funny or they're lying about stuff. And I know that I had a good set. And it's, I always use it as a grounding exercise to remember you're a comedian. So almost philosophically and as existentially, right. 
you're not supposed to take any of this shit too seriously. But sometimes comedians can be the most serious people in the world. Mate, how do you think we end up on this podcast? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Exactly. But the main thing is that you have to know that yourself. So it has to be, especially because comedy, right. so much of it is you really about honing the ability to take even the most serious subjects and make them funny. You've got to, I, I guess, uh, the way I remedy not being taken seriously is, I guess, having to know es esoterically that... Uh, there's a lot more serious things out there or what belies behind your comedy is much more serious stuff. That's why the Jews, right, Dane? That's why we can only... Yeah. If you dig into the Jews, like, I mean, I'd love yeah. someone to really go and... I haven't got the time. But if you <laughs> go <and> really <laughs> dig in on the... The Jewish people, it is a fascinating thing where you're like, go to any of our many selection of miserable festivals and you'll just find pockets of people just just laughing because it's just, it's just a des i know there's a desperation in the jewish people to find a way to see through the bleakness and that's, well, why that's the origin of well even stand-up comedy and comedy itself like a large at the quantum of it like but you guys you guys have been to funerals right you guys have been to funerals the best funerals you've been to right are the ones where you had a really good time with the people that were there right well, in you know, mm. I'm from a Ghanaian community, so in in Ghanaian culture, it's, funerals are completely diff different to the Western world. It's just, if the person dies, kind of like from natural causes, and they've had a relatively good life, mm. yeah. it's a celebration of that life. You know, I went to, I was lucky enough to mm. go to my grandmother's funeral in, in Ghana, and it was a, mm. a free day affair, Howard, where you you fly to Ghana, you have a mourning ceremony, then you have a, a uh, a church service which will last about three hours and then the next day you have a massive party at the house with food and drink and a live band and dancers and stuff so I've always been taught that you know it's, it's a celebration of life and you you're remembering all the greatness of that person obviously there's people mourning hard and that is your day to get all of yeah. that emotion out like and that's what I really love like my mum she would cry if she was upset about something she would cry about it and you should release that emotion and i think sometimes in certain parts of the world we hold yeah. that emotion in and i think that that's where the issue kind of lies and i think that's why comedy is such a healing kind of like medium for some, for some, so many people because in that darkness you're finding the light um, and that's why my favorite comedians are the ones who kind of like shed light on the darkness, but manage to find it funny. People like Dane, people like Dave Chappelle, who he can talk about the most yeah. serious subjects, you know, but I'm sitting there crying. And for me, that is an absolute talent. That is the pinnacle of comedy for me. Yeah, it was why, why it's the best medicine. So, so I guess the answer to the short answer to the question, Howard, is that I used to worry about being taken seriously until I was able to discover comedy. So comedy has helped me to like, for people right. to take me more seriously because I think having that gift and being able to disseminate it in terms of like, for example, having the gift of helping someone else to find that catharsis and find the funny in a tragedy is a much more mm -hmm. relevant gift and a much more useful gift to people than able to take something seriously. So like, rather than if someone comes to me with a serious problem, rather than just being able to commiserate with them or to kind of like unpack that trauma with them, the gift of being able to make someone laugh when they're dealing with something that's more of an existential crisis or a trauma is a much more useful gift. So, yeah. Well, well said. And, and whilst we've wow. been going through this yeah. whole thing, there's a uh, cardboard cutout of Mark Wright behind me for something I'm working on. Uh, so <laughs> oh that's God. been uh, almost <laughs> kind of emphasizing the point here, really, in some ways. Uh, <laughs> well, I suppose in summary, why so serious? Um, exactly. Uh, um, but Dane, over to you, mate, for the final question of what has been uh, a beautiful 
episode. Beautiful is the great, the, the right adjective to use. And uh, it's no surprise at all, Melvin. I think um, just in discussions of your experiences with your family and with love, I think you've proven very easily um, what I said to you is that you are one of the nicest guys I've met uh, throughout my time in comedy. And uh, so I want to I want to keep my my question uh, relatively simple. Obviously, you've just discussed your uh, your, your uh, dating activity, and I just want you to tell the viewers, and I hope it will help you as well, and give us more of an insight. Let's say somebody did have uh, an, a blank check, unlimited resources to provide Melvin with the perfect date, and I shouldn't say date, but I said day. So you meet this person, like you meet them. Wow. Now you meet them at Terminal 5 Heathrow for a whole day. Right. And basically, like, we're going to imagine you don't need to sleep or rest. So it's like 12, <laughs> midnight. Right. And then from there okay. until 12, 24 hours. And the goal is to give Melvin the best day of his life. What would that person wow. this, that need to do? That is a great question. From the beginning. It's okay. a whole day. So, uh, I'm gonna for me to answer this, I want to quickly refer to one of my right. my best dates in history. And for me, one of the best dates was was just a, a date that never ended. So it started with drinks and we we just got on so well that it turned into to dinner and then from dinner we ended up at a club. And it was just like you could just tell we just didn't want it to end. And I think the beauty of that that, that day for me was the variety. So if I was to land at Heathrow, I would say, let's get tickets to go to somewhere like, I've never been to, to Paris before, never. I've driven through France, but I've never been to Paris. So let's go to Paris and let's start by just checking out like a, a really cool like museum. Then we go to, for drinks and then it will be dinner at like a really, cause I'm a foodie, I love my food, then food. Then we hit the mm. night spot, dancing all night, literally sweating and then home back home for me because I think it's got to be variety is the key to <laughs> God knows what's planned when you get home eh so uh... oh, well you know how what's the garden of bananas was the plan a delicious and consensual fruit always 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 I just think you know you know when sometimes you're having dinner do you ever get this feeling where you're like I'm enjoying this date, but I just want to change the environment. I want to change the location right, because right. I'm quite yeah. bored. Yeah. 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 Like, do you ever get that? What, what do you What do you do about it, though, Melvin? What do you do? Because I I might say something. For example, if I'm on a date with somebody, I'm like, instead of me sitting across from you, I might just sit next to you, and then we can just share our plates. Or yeah, yeah. Nice. Even that changes the dynamic. Doing something like that, or just changing, like going from from the, the restaurant to a bar. I just feel like sometimes you have to change the location. So if that would be my perfect date for it to just keep keep evolving throughout the nice. day. Nice. So, so, so you do some hit up some museums in Paris. Is there a... Remember, you got the whole day, Melvin. So even, even the, you, could, you, could, you could even like take the time to get like a haircut if you wanted in this day. <laughs> what, what, yeah. what, midway through Listen, the day? This day, this <laughs> thing about the day is that it's about what Melvin wants, Melvin gets. So I'm saying if you... Any activities you could think of that also include another person, so it doesn't have to be so. So you know, it could be something you enjoy doing. Like even if you enjoy playing computer games, you could enjoy having a cigarette. Every, everything you want to do. I'm really lazy, guys. So for me, it would be to go to a spa. Yeah. See, nice. And to, and what I would do because of 
I would like that person to be my masseuse. So I'd like them to have mm-hmm. a few hours of training right. as a personal masseuse. And then that person so will generous. massage. So generous of you. Or no, full body. <laughs> I'm giving you a skill. Yeah, I'm giving <laughs> you a skill. They said whatever I want. That could be part of the criteria. They, they could be go, what a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> While I was doing my connoisseurship degree, looking at prized artifacts at the Louvre, I was also doing a minor in, you know, physiotherapy massage. So there you go. There it you go. It works out perfectly. Perfect. Um, any particular drinks you'd have? On, the, on your date or any cuisine? Like, well, oh, what yeah, courses yeah, do you yeah. have? I know so, this is not the off-menu podcast, but still. <laughs> um, for me, food, well, I, I, I like anything apart from sushi. Oh, really? Or okay. anything. So, yeah, yeah. I, I hate sushi. I, I, don't, I don't have no idea why. <laughs> I know everyone else loves sushi. And I'm not a fan of, of raw mm. meat. So I'd never have, like, blue steak. So anything. Like, if you actually, my mum's jollof rice with chicken. If they could get that to the restaurant, um, with a side of salad, that nice. would be amazing. And drink wise, a spiced rum with ginger beer, some fresh lime, and some. Um, nice. So that did it, did it take care of. What, any, are you a dessert man? Always, always apple pie. Nice ice cream. <laughs> yeah. I like mm. the, the the hot and cold contrast. I have no idea why, but I feel like it's a party yeah. in my mouth, and everyone's invited. There you go. And this is this is what people need to learn and learn about you, Melvin, as well. So would it just be Paris? I'm just saying, you know, you can get to Paris in an hour and you can get there in the back, back an hour and back. So, don't so just... can we fit in New York? Is New York Listen, too much? it's your day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever makes the gentleman okay. happy. So, so New York. Yeah. And then we go and watch a basketball game. Nice one. Free of charge. Because like you said, it's, everything's always better everything's when it's free. Everything's always better when it's free, yeah. And then when we're at the basketball game, I bump into Drake. Mm. I've never met him before. Just courtside. Just chilling. Just chilling on courtside. I'm with Jay-Z. We take a few pictures. That's right. That's on become the, on a the viral tr- sensation. On the Jumbo Tron, it's like, look who decided to show up at the Barclays Centre. Is there a <laughs> exactly. bowl of jollof rice in his hat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, <Perfect. yeah. laughs> I feel like every day after this conversation is going to be rubbish to me now. No, you know, you never know. Now I think that we're, now that we're outlaying an ideal itinerary for a good day, yeah. there's a there, there's somebody out there listening, being like, I could do that. I'm not asking for a lot. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So minor things. There you go. So we, we courtside seats. Any particular yeah. courtside seats? Just so the basketball game. Still in New yeah. York, or you want to hit up somewhere else? Um, no, I'm going to stay in New York. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have yeah. I have no business anywhere else, um, and then straight home to watch Love Island. Ah, there you go. Yeah, seems like a good date. Now, are you watching Love Island on the sofa in the hot tub? <laughs> you going to home? I've taken the water out the hot tub right. at the moment, boys, because um, the bills have have gone right, yeah, they're far too high <laughs> yeah. at the moment. Also, I feel like you. Why would you pay for a hot tub now? Like any body of water now is going to become warm. So <laughs> yeah, everything is a hot tub. Every tub is a hot tub right now. Yeah, right now. Every tub I don't is a hot really, tub. It's interesting when you talk about the best dates you've ever had, because I don't really remember that many dates. You had 78. You had more than that, probably in, in other, you know, not internet ones. And I just kind of think to myself, I wouldn't say too many stand out as kind of exceptional, like as in like, oh, what a wonderful time I had. I don't, I don't feel, I don't maybe Yeah. But maybe you're thinking about your first dates, Howard, yeah. because... The one you described with your missus at the beach, it sounds like one of the most romantic dates I've ever heard. Yeah. So it's just, you've probably not had any that are memorable to you. And also it sounds like you are completely and utterly in love with your missus. Yeah, she's all right, so yeah. all the other ones are obsolete. Yeah, in, I, think, I think I do have a bit of a kind of dead approach to like, if it, if it ends, I kind of bury it all. 
the men in black um, what do you yeah, call, what was it the men in black thing I've got a bit <laughs> yeah. of that I'm kind of just like oh that's over gone oh. neuralize gone. yeah neuralize the shit out of those memories as much as possible I kind of think a lot of it was just spent in bars and pubs right and it's just a bit kind of becomes a bit samey doesn't it that's why it's quite interesting hearing Melvin talk about kind of the dream date dating setup but but i i love the i love the the art of dating mm. do you mean for me it's like you see it sounds like dane is kind of half yeah halfway there with me because he enjoys his food mm. yeah, yeah and i'm a little food. bit like that yeah but i this i kind of throw my own personal activities into into my date mm. so i might go to the cinema yeah of course and watch one of my favorite films or i might go to where's that place where you you uh you swing around on bars like go ape yeah, yeah. so like i've always wanted to go go ape so i'll take someone that i really like to some something like go ape so i kind of throw in my own activities and my own kind of like desires that's what it should be I, I think even from a first date you should have put yourself in an uncomfortable environment where you wouldn't normally want to be there anyway because yeah. if you're doing that you're kind of setting a bad precedent where you'll put yourself in a situation where you wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable for the sake of you know not say for necessarily for somebody else, but maybe just for the sake of creating a false image of yourself. And I think that's the problem in the first place is that like dating and this is my only advice to take and how I've dated is that and I, I never liked the process that I don't like doing stuff, hoping that somebody will like me. Mm. I like to have a shared experience with someone who likes me anyway. So before yeah. I, when I date somebody, I'm like, I'll try to prior to meeting them again is maybe have a conversation with them just to find out if we do have mutual interest in the first place, yeah. rather than be like, Let's go for a drink and see what happens. It's more like, you know, we know something's happening, so let's go for a drink. I remember that way, uh, at least, if you're doing something like that's boring or doesn't turn out to be good, you still have the company of someone that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. So then, and I think, and what it sounds like. That can work, Dane, but I remember taking my wife to watch the Arsenal and. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like one all against. Burnley or something like that. It was a really bad <laughs> See, game. That's a, that's a bad game. And I got that's really, really angry, obviously. Exactly. And it just, no one won. Nothing, yeah. no no team, no <laughs> fan, no relationship <laughs> won. It was just a real waste of everyone's energy. Uh, and does Tara even <laughs> like football? Howard? No, there's no interest in it whatsoever. But I was like, oh, I should take you to Arsenal, shouldn't I? Uh, yeah. So that's more of you being like, I like a thing. I hope you like it too. Yeah, well, it's kind of like a bit of, here's a bit of me, right? Like, this is this thing that I have an interest in. And then in the end, it's like, oh, I've completely wasted your afternoon. Sorry about that. Um, Yeah, but but for her, she's like, I am prepared to do this because I'm working towards serving a relationship. And if you enjoy it, I'm happy to be in the presence of you when you're enjoying something. But then that's her mentality behind it. But then obviously when you draw with fucking Burnley, it's really hard to remain upbeat after that. (laughs) You just, that's when you're like, she's like, is there anything I can do? So I don't know. I guess you can show me your boobies, but it's not terrible. (laughs) But likewise, you know, when Mr. Fucking Bobbleton hasn't got anything to do in whatever period drama, it's not like I'm like, oh God, I can't wait to watch the next set. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it's like, you know, it's no, I don't know who, what talking about really but the, uh <laughs> but it's it, the art of the date hey the art of the date what a, the art of the date there is there's too many factors there's too many factors as well you can't control everything and you but have that's, that's yeah. the thing howard i i think the problem with dating is that like i said it's you trying to find activities that um and, and also trying to find the mutuality with someone at the same time which is a lot to do where it's like we it, it'd be nice if dating was involved about establishing that you had a connection with somebody first because then once you know you can bear someone's company or you just enjoy that person's company just being around True. them, 
Yeah, it does. It yeah. does. So, like, I think a friend of mine told me a story. It's the Winnie the Pooh story. So, this is my advice, Melvin, to think of. This is the Winnie the Pooh story. And the story goes mm-hmm. that one day Winnie the Pooh is sad, and Tigger approaches uh, Winnie the Pooh and says, "Why are you sad?" And Winnie the Pooh says, "I can't find Christopher Robin. He's not around." And Tigger goes, "Don't worry. If your friend's not around, I'll be a friend, and we can do everything. We can run. We can go and jump. We can play. We can swim." And then Winnie the Pooh says, the best thing about Christopher Robin is that we can, he can just be around and we don't need to do anything. Wise, and I wise think words. That's what you have to find first yeah. is someone who you are right. fine being around when you don't have to do anything. Because once you find right. that, then anything you do as a shared experience is good with them anyway. And, it's like, it's and the best it. thing about that, you don't have to work out who fucking pays for it. Exactly. <laughs> and on I that think... bombshell, we can conclude that this has been an exceptionally good episode of uh, Dane Baptiste's Questions Everything, hasn't it, Dan? It's been a belter. Absolutely, Melvin. Love to see you, bro. Love you like cooked food. Um, and on that note, um, until your next um, date with cooked food, Please let our listeners know where they can find out about your, what you're up to, past, present and future. Uh, you can catch me on Radio 1 with Ricky and Charlie, Mondays to Thursdays. Yeah, Ricky and Charlie. Uh, from 10.30. Big up the guys each and every time. And also check out my podcast, uh, Melvin Meets His Match, where you can hear about my dating dilemmas and disasters with my celeb mates. All right, well, uh, we're ready come. on hand when you need us. Someone snap this guy up. Hot property, ladies. And I've delivered him to you by a medium <laughs> of podcast. You've now seen it inside the mind of Melvin. You know what a perfect date is like. So all you've got to do is get in touch with a gentleman and maybe also get in touch on bookings and secret escapes. Make it happen. Thank you very and much, no, Melvin. Jay-Z and, and Drake. And yeah, no, Jay-Z and Drake, bro. Thank you so much for coming to the pod, bro. Great to see you. Love, nice boys. One, love, love Cheers, each mate. and every time. Thank you. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. Our guest was Melvin Adoom. You can follow Melvin on Instagram at Melvin Adoom. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnaptiste and at the Howard Cohen. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at dbqe podcast and we could feature you in our next episode thanks for listening guys and remember question everything insanity group planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.